0: You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Hello, this is Felicia, and this is the Talking Taiwan podcast. Today, our guest on the podcast is Chia Ting Ye, the founder and co host of the Kedaka Lin project. Welcome to the podcast, Chia Ting.
1: Uh, hello, everybody.
0: Great. So there our listeners know, um, the Kadakalan project is in part of a podcast, which actually started just in October this year. And I'm really impressed because I know that in the short time you guys have grown so much. You have a Facebook page. You have like 260 plus likes. And like after a month, you guys are now featured on the American Citizens for Taiwan website. You have a news director, a guest newscaster. I mean, I think that's great. Congratulations.
1: Oh, well, thank you. i um, very flattered.
0: So, um, how did you come up with the idea for the Kadakalan project, and where does the name for your show come from?
1: Sure. First of all, everybody asks about the name. The Kapagawan project was named after the Kapagawan Aboriginal tribe in Taiwan, so they actually lived in the Taipei area. Their language has since become extinct, but the plaza, the the road in front of the presidential office was actually named after them. And that's where all the uh, major political rallies and governmental functions such as inaugurations uh, happen. So we thought the name both refers to the aboriginal past of Taiwan, but also the political present and future of Taiwan. So that's why we came up with the name. The idea itself actually came from several friends who, uh, you know, asked me, Hey, Ping, I'm really interested in Taiwan politics, or I'm really interested in learning what's going on in Taiwan, but I don't read Chinese, and I don't know where to find the best English media for this kind of thing. So I thought, you know, maybe let's do something to try to cater to these people. Let's come up with a way to explain not just the news, but explain why, the news happens or what the context of the news is. So basically got together with some of my friends uh, who are also very involved in the Taiwanese-American students and advocacy circles to uh, basically get together and create these uh, these podcasts.
0: Great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so have you done anything like this in the past? Have you done any kind of like podcast or interviewing? And can you tell me a little bit about your background?
1: I have actually never done... A podcast before, so I did go to law school and a lot of that was, I mean, we didn't consider interviewing, but basically questioning and, you know, being annoying, asking <laughs> annoying questions to people. Right. So that I've done a little bit. In terms of media, the answer is no, unless you count a uh, church newsletter that I started back in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of educating people on sort of the political and social issues in Taiwan, so, in college, I was part of the, the Harvard Taiwanese Social Society, mm-hmm. and I've always been the speaker's chair, inviting speakers to talk about various topics. And uh, when I was on the national board for ITASA, the Intercollegiate Taiwanese American Students uh, Association, I was the national programming director. So also working on setting sort of what topics and what issues people would, you know, talk about. So that's a little bit about my background and how that relates to the Katakalan project.
0: I think that you're doing a really great service because uh, it is very difficult to get information about Taiwan if you're not if you if you're not a Mandarin speaker, you can't read Chinese. So I really commend uh, really applaud you for that. And I went to the American Citizens for Taiwan website and then you have like a bio in there. weren't you on weren't you involved in some think tank or something as well? So
1: the first summer of my law school, uh, when I was in law school, I worked in a think tank in London. Oh, uh-huh. um, so they didn't do anything related to Taiwan, oh, okay. um, but. I feel like the way they uh, approached some of the issues were very interesting. Right. Uh, So, for example, before urban renewal and neighborhood renewal, they uh, actually got together with the city of Bristol, I think, and Mm. built a beach Mm -hmm. in the middle of the city in the industrial Mm -hmm. area. Mm So I thought that was some of the interesting ideas. That's why I uh, worked there. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. So you have this team now for the Kadakalan Project. How did you manage to get these team of people and could you briefly introduce them?
1: Sure. Uh, We have Jonathan Lee and Tim Suen. So I've known these two guys for, you know, ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know both of them through ITASA. John went to business school in, uh, I think, University of Chicago. But he's uh, very involved in the um, congressional advocacy Mm -hmm. side of Taiwanese American community. Tim, I'm know him through MIT, the MIT-Harvard connection, and he's just always been very interested, not just in Taiwan issues, but in also um, some macroeconomics,
0: mm-hmm. so world
1: trends, things like that. So I thought these two people were perfect for starting a podcast, talking, just you know, commentating on different things in Taiwan. And they're the two people that also live near me, so mm-hmm. I can always rope them in and make them do stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So our uh, news director, Betty Wong, actually was introduced to us through J. Michael Cole, who is a um, journalist in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And so basically, I asked him if he knew any young, idealistic journalist in Taiwan who speaks English and do not mind working for free. And (laughs) so he said, yeah, Betty is your your girl. And so uh, we asked her, and she's been phenomenal. Actually, I think she's uh, writing up our news script or the news update this week as we speak right now.
0: Wow. After
1: she came home from, from her day job. Wow. So she actually works at Mixed Media Animations.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So they produce all the, you know, the, the sort of satirical
0: mm-hmm. news
1: um, animations you see.
0: hmm
1: And then Ali, yeah, so she's just a friend of ours who also lives in the Bay Area. Um, so she's interested in doing newscasting. And so we thought, you know we' just ask her to see if she wants to read our squid, so people don't have to hear me all the time <laughs> um, so I don't have to hear myself all the time and and she's just been a pleasure to listen to everybody that you know people have commented that it's you know has a very sort of um NPR type gravitas to it, and I think that's just really great.
0: Yeah, it's great because <laughs> that you have, you know, I don't know if you had planned this, but I noticed like you, your first uh, episode, you were into, you had a guest that you're interviewing, him, and now you have added this feature to have a news brief, you know, kind of like a quick update for people to know current events and things going on in Taiwan. Uh, so, what kind of topics do you try to cover in the podcast, and what is the goal and purpose of the show?
1: So the goal and purpose of the show, I would say, at the for now, I think it would be to introduce to audiences outside of Taiwan a fuller picture of what life and society in Taiwan is like. So I want people to know Taiwan more than just bubble tea and fighting in Congress.
0: <laughs>
1: and especially for the people who, Americans or otherwise, who are politically aware or care politically about Taiwan, I want to get them a fuller picture of Taiwan, not just unification versus independence, not just the national identity Mm -hmm. issues in Taiwan, but also social issues like same-sex marriage, farmers' rights, gay rights, things like that. So in terms of topics, we're basically open to everything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We are planning to do things on the biotech industry, on the startup scene in Mm -hmm. Taiwan. Mm -hmm. We are trying to get somebody from an agricultural expo in southern Taiwan to mm-hmm. talk to us. Mm-hmm. We are going to interview someone, actually the founder of an NGO working on education in rural areas in Taiwan and mm-hmm. another organization working on reviving our Aboriginal culture. So the topics basically range across everything. And As long as it's interesting and it's not something that people immediately think about.
0: Right.
1: So that's a topic that we want to do.
0: Right. Well, that'd be interesting. I'm not sure if all of your guests are going to be able to speak English, so that'll be interesting. I'm not sure how you're going to handle that.
1: We'll just probably ask them to cut their material in half and one of us could translate for them.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: So far, we've sought out people who speak English in Taiwan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that hasn't been a problem for us,
0: but right. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I'm wondering, since I have you on the podcast, if you could give us a general like update or highlights of some of the more important recent news developments related to Taiwan. I think...
1: I would characterize the general trend in Taiwan as a slow but steady build up to a, a showdown between big business, government, and China on the one side, and basically the little guys on the other side. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the news that you see recently have been about, for example, land uh, expropriation abuses. So, the government taking land through its uh, eminent domain powers, but then turning the land over to private developers for other luxury residential projects or um, industrial parks and factories. And that's, I think, part of the government, the current government at least, part of their push for freer trade, for more trade uh, liberalization, for more foreign investment, especially from China. And I think a lot of that is focused on factories, manufacturing, that type of industry where I think low reg- regulation, low cost mm-hmm. is central. So, And so on the other side, you have the traditional victims or of uh, trade liberalization, uh, liberalization such mm-hmm. as farmers and right. laborers, and you see more of people come, sort of walking, taking us to the streets to fight for their rights. Mm-hmm. And I think overall, Taiwan is headed to a direction where it will have to decide how best to not just take care of the people who have less resources in society, but how to also rebuild and renew the economy. So I think that's where the trend is going, and I think that's a good framework to see all the news that's coming out of Taiwan.
0: Right. And speaking of that, there have been some recent protests among the youth in Taiwan, right? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: So the students in Taiwan have been, I think, unusually active For the last, I would say maybe for the last five to ten years or so. I think one of the biggest student gatherings was the wild strawberry movement of several years ago, Mm -hmm. where a lot of students gathered in Taipei to protest. It's actually very interesting because they're protesting the law on assembly, which basically requires any public assembly to have permission from the government to assemble. And so, you know, many people see that as a direct violation of their right to assembly if the government has to then pre-improve it. So since then, I would say a lot of students have basically gone involved in various social issues, the ones that we mentioned before, and basically you'll see these students in a lot of these protests. And I think part of the, the difference is that the political system in Taiwan is very focused on the... Taiwan-China relations Mm -hmm. and not enough attention paid to social and economic issues to -hmm. the point where I think both of the major parties in Taiwan are actually not all that different when it comes to social and economic issues. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of these people are basically feel that there's not much of an outlet for them in the ordinary course of politics. So basically, that's why we're seeing a lot of these students take to the
0: streets. Right. Yeah. And so, just for our listeners, so the assembly and parade law is a law in Taiwan like dating back to the martial law era that prohibits people from demonstrating or assembling publicly without having a permit. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so, what kind of feedback have you been getting so far on the Kadakalan project?
1: Most of the feedback I've gotten is pretty good. I think we've had people in sort of the older generation, first-generation Taiwanese-Americans who, you know, said this is a very good service. They will see if they can get their kids to listen to them. <laughs> we haven't really gotten hate mail, so we're probably not <laughs> as big as we should be. <laughs> we um, And I've been told uh, by someone who works in Washington that there is a need in D.C. for sort of an easy button on current events in Taiwan. Right. So we're sort of thinking about how to best fill that need at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. And how did, you guys are now featured on the American Citizens for Taiwan website. How did that come about?
1: Uh, so John uh, has been friends with the people who run the American Citizens for Taiwan. So uh, Brock Freeman, he's the uh, the leader there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So basically one night we got together, met over tacos and Mm -hmm. They are looking for more content to sort of help educate their audience about what's going on in Taiwan. And obviously, we're looking for more people to listen to our podcast. So it was a very natural partnership. Mm -hmm. And so we basically hashed it out. And uh, we're very happy that we are able to reach their audience and help them educate uh, Americans on the importance of what's going on in Taiwan.
0: Mm-hmm. right and yeah very simply said that's their mission right that's right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i've contacted the american citizens for taiwan to be a future podcast guest so i'm looking forward to that in the future so why do you feel it's so important to do a show like this
1: as i mentioned i think there's a lot of people outside of taiwan who would like to know what's going on in taiwan and the language barrier is the first thing but i think more importantly, there's just not much coverage on Taiwan at all outside of Taiwan mm-hmm. in, in any language. Mm-hmm. And even the English language media that comes out of Taiwan is based in Taiwan and I think caters to English speakers in Taiwan. Right. So I think there's basically not a very good perspective from outside of Taiwan looking in. Mm-hmm. And I think we are in a very good position to... Do it is since we know a lot about Taiwan, we have connections in Taiwan, yet we are based in the States and we know how to present that information from Taiwan to audience in the States and, and, and elsewhere. So I think that's sort of the most important job that we're doing right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so who would you like to have on the show? Like who would be your dream guest? We are
1: actually working on getting May Day to come to our show. Oh,
0: interesting. <laughs> um, Can you tell okay, the audience it is, a little bit about that? Uh,
1: so May Day is a band in Taiwan, a pop band in Taiwan. They're branding themselves right now as the, the Beatles of the Chinese language, mm. uh, Chinese-speaking world. Mm-hmm. The first time I've heard of them was they're using Taiwanese, the Taiwanese language, mm. in their pop songs, which mm-hmm. I thought was very refreshing and interesting and so that's why i started following them yeah. they are on tour in the states in spring yes. uh so we're trying to you know see if there's a 0.001 percent chance that they might respond to our email <laughs> <laughs> so that they're basically uh i think in terms of dream candidate i think they're, top, they're the number one right now and i think otherwise we definitely want to give room to people who are not covered in the media as much, and especially people in our generation in in their 20s, 30s, uh, even maybe in the 40s doing interesting things that don't get covered. Right. So those kinds of people are really who we are going for. Uh-huh. And I think just as a last thought, I mean, if former President Lee Deng would like to come on the oh. show, um,
0: <laughs> that would be very
1: interesting. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that goes.
0: Well, yeah, if you're talking about people like that, maybe even like Po Man would be an interesting person to have, the person who wrote the oh, sure, Declaration of, of Independence yeah. for Taiwan. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And also like May Day is interesting because the group has an activist bench, right?
1: I think they do. And if we do interview them, that would be the theme of the interview. So how do they see combining their what they do in music to how they feel about political, and social activism.
0: Right. Well, could you say a little bit about that? Because they have actually done that. Like, Have they in their lyrics or their music videos?
1: Recently, with a lot of the student protests, they released a music video to a song that basically shows footage and clips from the student protests and shows them protesting and demonstrating and clashing with the police. And actually, a lot of people were very worried for them because especially in Taiwan and in China, as, you know, the, the moment pop musicians get into politics, you know, they lose fans, right? And they and people question their motives. So I think it was actually very courageous of them to take a stand in the way they did.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not a good necessarily good commercial decision. In one of your recent episodes or debriefs, you actually talked about this, right?
1: That's right. Our last Kabakalan project, Long Show, talks about pop musicians and their involvement or lack thereof uh, with politics.
0: Great. Um, So I think like, you know, we're really living in interesting times with the internet and social media. It's really given us like almost like unlimited access to information, knowledge and use. You can Google anything, get answers to almost everything, go to YouTube, there's tutorials and just about anything that you can do. And during Hurricane Sandy last year, I was really struck by how a lot of the more real-time updates and information that was coming through Twitter actually provided more timely and accurate reports on what was going on, like more so than traditional media outlets like the television stations. So that being said, like, have you thought about this, and how does that affect how you think about delivering the news?
1: So I think there's a difference between just information and news. I've read books where they define news as information that's profitable.
0: Mm.
1: I think that's a very good way to think about it. A better way to think about it would be news is information that's organized and delivered to the people that need it. Mm. I think traditionally we've always thought of news as up-to-date information. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty much sort of a commodity business, and it's definitely been being taken over by social media, and by real-time updates on the internet. And so I think the role of news will have to change a little bit. And I think the role of news would be to organize information, make sense of them, and point out larger trends mm-hmm. that basically provide a framework to make sense of all the you know real-time updates as they come in. Mm-hmm. That takes people who do it professionally, people who command the trust of their audience,
0: Mm-hmm. so
1: yeah. um, and yeah. so, I think that's where news should go and in terms of delivery I have a little bit of a issue with uh, the way news is delivered online today
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's a lot of free articles and text that we've seen but right. I think for the most part they are what we used to see on the newspaper page or on the magazine page and just popped on the screen
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes that works but I don't think it works all the time and I think what we really need to do is to think fundamentally about how, what is the information or what do we want to convey in this news piece and then marry that to what is the best way and what is the best, best technology we can transmit this information through. So I don't think what web news websites in the future would look like, would look the way they do now with uh, – you know, laid out and ads, and mm-hmm. you know, basically looks like the newspaper page on the screen. Mm-hmm. There's different medium for different kinds of news that you want to convey. Right. So I think that's sort of the general direction. I at least I would like news to go in.
0: Mm-hmm. Is the Kathakalam project on Twitter? Do you guys have a Twitter account? Have you thought about maybe delivering some news on in, over Twitter?
1: We haven't gone to a Twitter account for basically the reason because i haven't so i don't know how to use it yet (laughs) (laughs) it is a um, whole can
0: of worms i'm learning myself
1: (laughs) from the very start we did not want to become an organization that competes on breaking news right or competes on being the first to report right because we just don't have that kind of resource i mean we don't have people over the world and I think that's sort of the game that everybody is playing now. I have exclusive. I have the breaking news. And mm-hmm. that's why actually in the beginning we started with a analysis and commentary show first instead of doing the news updates first. So we wanted to be we wanted to be the people who sort of take take a step back and you know a few days or a week after it's happened say, Okay, here's what we know, here's what we've learned and then after taking a little bit of time to think, this is what we think is actually going on.
0: So right, this is a summary in the context.
1: Report. Right, and that's where we will compete with the other news outlets out there. I think our ultimate goal is world news for Taiwan and Taiwan news for the world. Mm-hmm. So we want to sort of be that bridge between what's going on in Taiwan, audiences in Taiwan, and then what's going on in the world and the audiences in the rest of the world. So that's sort of our ultimate direction. In terms of What we're planning for the future, we want to be more than just a podcasting group. We would like to go into all sorts of media, as uh, I've mentioned, anything that transmits the news well. And so that may be a magazine, that may be TV, video, that may be actually holding events and speaker and workshops. All of that is uh, well within our realm of imagination. (laughs) For the media future, we would like to... Expand the audience. So, if you're listening to this, and you know, please definitely go check us out. Find a way to bring in some revenue, and maybe find something so we can sort of keep this going and compensate the people that are working hard on bringing you, bringing people this information.
0: Yeah, right. And, that, and it's interesting what you said. You want to also provide world news for Taiwan. So you're hoping to actually provide a service for the people in Taiwan to get and use updates about world events? Is that what you're saying?
1: Eventually, we would like to do that as well. Sort of the mirror piece to what we're doing right now.
0: Right.
1: And one wouldn't really grow without the other. That's sort of how I think of it. Right.
0: Well, that's interesting. So then you may have to do those in uh, Mandarin. Probably not English, right?
1: I mean, we'll see how that goes. Mm -hmm.
0: It's great. It's great to hear about what you guys have planned. You're so ambitious, and I'm really excited about where you guys are going. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience? Maybe you can tell them where to find you on Facebook, your website, so on.
1: The name of our organization is the Ketagalan Project. That's K-E-T-A-G-A-L-A-N. I apologize for picking such a difficult-to-pronounce and spell name. If you search for us on Facebook or iTunes, you will find our Facebook page, And our iTunes page, and you can download and listen to our podcast. So our Facebook page not only has our podcast, but also previews of upcoming podcasts and things of that sort. So uh, definitely come check it out. You know, I'm really excited if anyone ever messages us on Facebook or um, gets in touch with us any way they can. Uh, We'd like to definitely talk to you and um, have you listen to us. Great.
0: And do you guys have a website?
1: Actually, right now we are working on one, okay, <laughs> so great. Yeah, the answer is no. But okay. the, the Facebook site is uh, our official site right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. So just look for Katakalan Project on Facebook. Great. And it's such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, I want to thank you for that. Uh, congratulations on all the great work that you're doing.
1: Thank you.
0: So thank you very much for listening, this is Felicia Lin, in the Talking Town podcast. I look forward to the next time and the next conversation. Thank you for listening. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Formosa.com.